Daniel chapter 10 is where we're going to be today. And uh, man, I thoroughly enjoyed hearing uh, Alex, Pastor Alex preach through chapter 9. And boy, last week especially, what an amazing set of verses. Absolutely potent, filled with promises to be fulfilled someday uh, to God's chosen elect. Now, angelic comfort and conflict is where we begin here in chapter 10. What's interesting about the final chapters of the book of Daniel is they really flow together. So the chapter divisions are kind of for our benefit, but the story begins in 10 of the final vision. And chapter 10 is primarily set up for what is coming in 11 and 12 with the vision itself. But the setup is so spectacular that it's worthy of its own chapter, no doubt. So these 21 verses... Uh, I'm praying we'll open our eyes to the, the wonder of God's angels and His purpose in how He has ordained their existence and their ministry as we live our lives and history unfolds. So, angelic comfort and conflict. We're going to begin in chapter 10, verse 1. Uh, I titled verses 1 through 4, Sadness and Supplication. Sadness and Supplication. You can take notes on the back of your bulletin as we go. This is how it begins. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belshazzar. It's fascinating that they they bring that name all the way into chapter 10, since it was a long time ago that he was given that name, and Daniel has, has won out after all these years. But just to make clear, this is his his uh, his deportation name, you might say, his exile name. And the word was true, and it was a great conflict. Now, this is an an amazing statement here. The the word was true, as God's word always is, right? The prophecy is to be fulfilled. It is a true prophecy, and yet it is of great conflict. It reveals this incredible, um, raging conflict, not only in the heavenly places, but also as history is to unfold. And note this, and he understood the word... Now, that's new. Most of the visions we've covered so far, Daniel is scratching his head like, man, I I don't know what this means. This one, right out of the gate, it says he understood it. That's pretty special. And as we get into chapter 11, we'll see. I think someone said there's somewhere around 143 prophecies made in the remaining chapters of Daniel uh, that have been fulfilled already in history as God has unfolded his plan perfectly, just as he said he would. And he had an understanding of the vision, okay? So note this, though, the third year of Cyrus, this is significant. Daniel is now between 84 and 85 years old. He has lived the bulk of his life by far in exile, under foreign, pagan, for the most part, godless kings. And this is the third year of Cyrus. Now, in the history of God's people, it's significant to note this because in the first year of Cyrus, God fulfilled his word that the prophet Jeremiah and Isaiah spoke. Listen to how uh, in Ezra chapter 1 we read this. So Daniel's in the third year. Here's the first year. In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah the prophet might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up The spirit of Cyrus, the king of Persia, look look at this, this is amazing, pagan king, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing. Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, that's right, that's a correct statement, and he has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem which is in Judah. Whoever is among you of all his people, may his God be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and rebuild the house of the Lord, the God of Israel. Now, the book of Ezra details this whole journey. This is how it begins and it unfolds from there. So, here you have Daniel two years after this proclamation is made. Now listen to what Daniel is doing. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning 
For three weeks I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all. Some suggest that's just the, uh, the daily uh, cleansing anointment uh, of oil. Um, others say it was for keeping your skin from getting cracked or whatever it was. Uh, basically, it's not bathing. He, did, he, didn't, he didn't shower or bathe, as it were, for three weeks. On the 24th day of the first month, I was standing on the bank of the great river, that is, the Tigris. Okay, there's a lot packed in here. First of all, we see that Daniel is fasting and mourning. Why? He's got to ask that question. Why is he in prayer and fasting, grieving, mourning, saddened by what he sees? Well, two years into the rebuilding effort, things really ground to a halt. There was extreme opposition. There was a whole lot of compromise that was taking place, even in those who did return. The book of Haggai addresses some of those things. But really, there was only about, as scholars estimate, about 42,000 Jews that returned to, to take on this effort. That may seem like a lot, but compared to the number of those who had been exiled and and fruitfully multiplied while in exile, it is a small fraction of the overall number of God's chosen people, the Jews, who were now in foreign lands and comfortable, happy to stay, not willing to go, not willing to risk it, not willing to make the journey. They were comfortable, and in many cases, they had lived in compromise in a pagan and foreign land. This weighs on Daniel's heart. I believe he was anticipating something very different. Seventy years in exile. It's up. Let's go. Everybody, pack up. We're going back home. Where is everybody? And so he prays. And he prays. And he prays. Now, why was he not in Jerusalem himself? You say, well, if everyone's supposed to be there, why is he not there? Well, a few things. People speculate at this point, being as old as he is, he's made progress. He's, he's not in Persia. He's in Babylon. He's at the Tigris. So it may be that he is trying to make his way, but his age is preventing him from getting as far as he wants. Or, what I think is more likely, when he gets back to the Babylonian area where the exile originated, that's where they landed initially, where so many would be, he gets there and he looks around and says, what are you guys still doing here? Why are you not in Jerusalem? And so it's likely that he's there pointing the way and trying to get them back to the holy city to rebuild the house of the Lord. There's no reason for them to stay. And it weighs on his heart, I believe. It's a heavy-hearted prayer that he prays. He's mourning. He's grieving. He's waiting for the Lord. He's looking to God. Friends, when your heart is heavy, when things are beyond your control, which is every day, right? It's every day. So many situations we find ourselves similarly saying, what's going on? Look at what we see. We can't fix this. We can't solve this. Oh, hit your knees, my friends. Hit your knees. Go before the Lord. Fasting is a way to help focus your prayers, right? Preach that sermon to your body. We're going to focus on the Lord every time that hunger hits. Pray all the more. In prayer and fasting, morning, three weeks of focused prayer. Now, one week, that's a long time. Right? I mean, just picture yourself in his shoes. Two, two weeks? That's a significant amount of time. Has anyone spent two full weeks praying? I haven't. Three weeks. No answer. Just, he's still praying. He's still praying. Hmm. Daniel was a man devoted to prayer. It is one of the, the, the reoccurring, defining markers of his life. Oh, every time you run into this man, he is a praying prophet. I think it's one of the reasons God used him so powerfully, is he was devoted to prayer. He believed that as he prayed, God was hearing him and moving in power to answer those prayers according to his will. 
so too we should be those who pray, like Daniel, my friends. Now, grounded by grandeur, I was thinking about what is about to take place, and it's true. He was grounded. He may have been on his knees, but he's about to be on his face, knocked out cold by the glory of this heavenly visitor. Verse 5, I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in fine linen. Now, that's priestly garments, right? That fine linen with a belt of fine gold from Uphaz. We have no idea what that is or where that is. No one has any clue. It's just really special fine gold from somewhere important around his waist. Listen to the descriptions here. This is unveiled glory of heavenly host. His body was like beryl. His face like the appearance of lightning. His eyes like flaming torches. His, his arms and his legs gleam of burnished bronze. And listen now, who's been to a Seahawks game, right? Right? You know that sound. Think that when you hear this. The sound of his words like the sound at a Seahawks game. Like the sound of a multi... Earth is shaking. It's like the crowd roars whenever he speaks. It's overwhelming. This is a special glimpse of a warrior angel. And Daniel is given... <laughs> kind of an unveiled view at this angel who has come in glory. It's an overwhelming angelic power and glory that just, it just meets him like a two-by-four. It overwhelms him. Watch what happens to Daniel as he tries to process and take in this glorious angelic being that is now in his presence. And I, Daniel, I alone saw the vision, for the men who were with me did not see the vision, but, but a great trembling fell upon them. Now the question is why? If they didn't see it, what happened to them? I think they saw Daniel and the overwhelming terror in his eyes. Listen to what happened to Daniel. They, they fled. His friends, they, they're gone. So he's aware of this. Even as he sees this angelic creature, he... He is aware that his friends are, are taken off. He says, I was left alone and saw this great vision. No strength was left, was left in me. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed. And I retained no strength. Then I heard the sound of his words. And as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in deep sleep. That's I passed out. With my face to the ground. Once again, poor Daniel. He's got to have some bruises on his face. You know? I mean, I pass out a lot. I, I, I got stories. I'll spare you the details. Usually it is connected with the sight of blood. But, but poor Daniel, every time these heavenly messengers come, hip, pump, there he goes again. He's out cold. On his face, face to the ground. Grounded by grandeur. Now, we have got to learn from this moment of history. There are some really special beings that God has created. They are not humans. They are a special creation of God. And they carry with them a special glory of God that radiates out. It, it just, it's just in them as they show up. Let me give you a bit of an overview of angels. An overview of angels. Number one, God created myriads of angels. I mean, myriads upon myriads. Thousands upon thousands. And they're all accountable to Him. They rejoiced when God laid the foundations of the earth. I think they were there exactly when they were created in the, the six days of God creating all that is. I don't know, but it must have been early. Because when He lays the foundations, they shout for joy, it says in Job 38. They are spiritual beings with intellect, emotion, and will. There's debate as to whether they are made in the image of God. I tend to think not. I think that is special for human beings alone, which is why salvation is there. There's no salvation for angels. But they have intellect, emotion, and will. They rejoice. They are personally named and organized 
in ranks, it seems. It's likely that there's some organization and rank in view, at least with the few passages that we have. They are, uh, let's see, they are faithful, there are faithful and fallen angels. We know that Satan, for example, is a very um, high-ranking angel who rebelled against God, and a third of the angels were swept from heaven, right, that cast down. So Satan and demons, now fallen angels, evil, corrupt, forever to be punished, and yet right now employed by the sovereign hand of God to accomplish His purpose, and as soon as He decides His purpose is accomplished, they're gone. Lake of fire, it's over for them. But those who remain faithful to the Lord, they are righteous and they are holy. They do His will. They often appear in bodily form. Um, in Scripture, it's always a masculine appearance. Note this, a man. It's, it's, it's a man. Uh, so let's get our, our thinking right when you think of angels, right? We're not talking about feminine or little cherub babies floating around. As, as uh, Pastor Alex mentioned last week, that's not it. These are fearsome warriors created by God. Last three points are helpful for us. Angels are wise, but they are not omniscient. They don't know everything. They are wise. Think of the thousands of years they existed. All of the people they have witnessed and learned from. They they, they look into the things of God's dealing with us and learn. They are very powerful, but they are not all-powerful. Only God is. They appear in different places, but they are not omnipresent. Only God is everywhere present, right? So Satan himself is localized and often is found uh, accusing the saints before the throne room of God, as we've seen in the book of Job. So... Uh, that's a little overview. What do they do? At least the, the angels of God, not the demons and the fallen ones, but here's what God's angels do. Number one, there are angels who worship in the presence of God, and that is why they exist. They are there to declare His praise, the cherubim and the seraphim. You see these, these worshipful throne room, as it were, angels who declare His It's like they, they're in a tennis match with the words, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God the Almighty. Heaven and earth is full of His glory. And then this one repeats the same and back and forth and the foundations shake. They guard God's people and they execute divine judgment, especially in the book of Revelation. We see these things unfold all the more. They carry messages. In fact, we know the name of one of the the messenger angels, as it were, named Gabriel. We see him show up a number of different times in the text. They bridge heaven and earth. I saw the vision, and the the angels were ascending and descending on what? That, we know, is the Son of Man, Christ Himself. They are sent by God to minister and to strengthen God's people, and they battle against fallen angels. And I, I, I spent time this week trying to understand what does it look like in the spiritual realm for angels to battle. Like, how does that work? I have no idea. I don't know. Uh, It's hard to fathom. They've been battling for thousands of years. And it's a real fight, a real struggle. Hmm. There appeared to Jesus an angel from heaven to strengthen him. You remember in the garden, just after Jesus said the words, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Right as he's sweating drops of blood. Praying in the garden, yet not my will be done, but yours. In his weakness, in his humanity, Jesus cries out. And an angel there from heaven, God the Father responded to the prayer of his Son by sending an angel from heaven to strengthen our Savior in that moment. There's the ministry of the Holy Ones. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, the writer of Hebrews says, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. One of my favorite words in the Bible, unawares. Question, have you ever met an angel? Guess what? You probably don't know. You probably don't. That's the whole point. The word unawares, you don't know. But it's possible. It's possible that we have had an angel visit our church and not known it. 
That's kind of cool. That's kind of cool. Now we can't spend our time figuring out, be like, hey, pinch, are you an angel? Like, like the, don't, don't waste your time. The whole point is we don't know. But the call is practice hospitality all the more. And then Luke 15, 10, Jesus says, I tell you, there is joy. Now, he knows this, right? This is our Savior speaking. There is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. When someone is saved sovereignly and powerfully by God and their expression of of trust in Him is repentance and prayer, Jesus, I, I turn from my sins and I run to You and I embrace You as my Savior and Lord. Save me from my sins. Show me how to live. Be my King. I believe in You. The angels celebrate. They rejoice. All heaven breaks into celebration in praise of God, the God who saves. Just a little glimpse here. Someone went through the Bible and came across, this is one commentator's number, 273 references to angels in the scriptures. I can't vouch for that, but that was his number that he came up with. So are they real? Yes, They are as real as the air you breathe. Can you see them? No. They are in a spiritual realm beyond our ability to see. Daniel is given a veil pulled open to see this. Not unlike uh, Elisha. Remember when he prayed? Open their eyes so they can see. Open their eyes. And, And all of the Lord's army and fiery chariots were surrounding them and protecting them. Most often, we don't even realize what they're doing. Now, strengthened and loved, listen to this angel as he speaks now to Daniel. (laughs) Strengthened and loved, verse 10. And behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. Now, can I get a volunteer? Yeah, come up here. Come on. That was a quick hand. All right, so... Show us your passed out look, right? Your, your passed out flat. Oh, easy. Oh, wow. That was pretty good. Look at this. Yeah. Okay. Now, the angel reaches down and touches him and says, right, startles him. Okay. Daniel, wake up. Now, you get up on your hands and knees. That's all, that's all the farther you can get. Hands and knees. And you're trembling. Tremble there. Okay. Your head is probably down. You're just trembling. Okay, now just stay there for about 10 minutes. No, I'm joking. Thank you, man. Good job. You might check out that acting class. That's all the farther he can get. Hands and knees. Now, don't miss this, though. The significance of the touch. He is, he is in the presence of an angel. How easy it would be for him to be like, well, this is merely spiritual. No, this angel is real and is able to enter into our substance and physical reality such that he stirs him from his sleep. Not unlike Peter, who was in the jail. Remember this? And he saw a vision. The chains fell off and the gates flew open. And all of a sudden he's like, wow, I broke out of jail, right? I should go and find the, the, the church as they pray. So the significance of the touch is is there. It's, it's, a, it's a physical engagement of the angel who is in a spiritual realm but now has appeared. And you'll see this repeatedly. A strengthening. There's affection and love. He didn't kick him. Wake up. You weakling. Why are you passed out again? No. He, he shakes him. And, and Daniel's doing his best. But he is absolutely petrified. He's overwhelmed with the greatness of the glory of this angel. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved. Now that echoes back to last week, what we heard, as Daniel was was blessed with God's love through the messenger. Understand the words I speak to you, the angel says, and stand up, (laughs) stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood trembling, okay, and so James, James, James would be up here now standing up, but shaking. I mean, knees knocking. He's trying his best. And remember, he's an old man at this point, 85. 
This is a lot to process for that old body. And then the angel speaks and he says, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard. Just like in chapter 9. From the first day, there is no delay when we pray. It's not like it used to be the old dial-up, you know, the noise, and then it's like took forever to load. No, our prayer is there. It's heard. It comes. Your words have been heard, and then he says something amazing. And I have come because of your words. Whoa. That just struck me. That's an incredible statement. Fear not, Daniel. Oh, how often that is repeated in scriptures. Fear not, fear not. Now, what does that not mean? Let's be clear. That doesn't mean you are wrong to be in awe and tremble before the presence of this mighty and glorious angel. He's not, he's not condemning his response. He's comforting him. He's saying, it's safe. I'm not here to take you out. Don't fear. I know I am fearsome. Don't remove that from this angel. He is a fearsome warrior angel. We don't know his name. But he speaks words of comfort and peace. You are greatly loved, Daniel. God has heard your prayers, and I am here because of your words. What an experience. <laughs> I mean, just put yourself in Daniel's shoes three weeks praying and wondering. And he is blessed in a very special way. Now, that blessing was not only for Daniel. It was for us, friends. It's for us as well. When we pray, oh, watch what God does. Unexpected blessings of ministry and comfort and strength dispatched from on high. Now, a glimpse behind the scenes a glimpse behind the scenes. Verse 13. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, but Michael, there's another angel named. We don't know a lot of angels' names, but we have one here now. Michael, one of the chief princes, or the archangel as we know him elsewhere, came to me, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia. And, and we just got to stop there and be like, what? What is that? He said, from the first day you prayed, that was three weeks ago, I was dispatched, and yet for 21 days, three weeks, I was withstood by this great and powerful demonic angel referred to as the prince of the kingdom of Persia. We get a glimpse into angelic warfare. We, we get a glimpse into this raging spiritual conflict that's taking place beyond our ability to see. And, and, and much of Scripture does not speak into this world. I was left there with the kings of Persia. Well, who are the kings of Persia? Darius and Cyrus. And so the king who is in power right now is Cyrus. And, and he's trying to get to the Tigris where... Daniel is. That's not that far. But he's fighting this great demonic angel referred to as the prince of the kingdom of Persia. So we learn a little bit. We're introduced to a new angelic character, a fallen demonic angel, very powerful angel. This is not Satan, I don't believe, but this is an angel. Some say, well, this is a territorial demon. You may have read books or heard teaching on this. I, I, I'm not a fan of that. I, I don't think you see that here. I think this is an empire spirit, as Kevin DeYoung, I think, rightly says, working to affect peoples, not territories, right? So some people are like, oh, we've got to have power encounters. If we're going to go uh, witnessing, we've got to go to Ferndale, and we've got to start slaying the demons before anyone's going to listen to the gospel. I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't see that in the Great Commission, right? 
What are we called to in 1 Peter? Stand firm. Resist him, the devil. How do you do that? Trust God. Depend upon God. Put your faith in God and proclaim. So we have an empire spirit who is likely overseen this world power at this time. He is a very high-ranking demon who is kind of affecting evil and, and seeking to stir chaos and, and, and turn things upside down. And one of the things we know is happening on the physical realm, down in, on the earthly realm, is the opposition to the rebuilding that's taking place. Extreme opposition, hostility, fear, overwhelming compromise. So they're connected. This is a connected thing. The war that rages up there has implications for us down here and vice versa. It is an unseen cosmic battle with earthly implications. Otherwise, this this angel battle that took place would not have delayed this angel who was commissioned, a warrior, mighty warrior angel who was commissioned to go and, and bring this vision to Daniel. Ephesians 6, verse 12 For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. That's who we wrestle with. So the call here is don't only look here to what you see and can can note on Fox News or the paper or whatever it is, Bellingham Herald. There's more in play. And this is our call as believers. we got to be reminded. We are in the midst of a cosmic battle. Angels, war, back and forth. Demons are seeking to to thwart uh, the people of God at every turn. To push policies and, and power that will bring darkness and chaos. Before I move on, I just have to say this. It's very possible, I would say likely, that there is a, a high-ranking demon who is overseeing that work when it comes to the United States. When it comes to the president right now. When it comes to policies that are being advanced. And in Washington State. And very likely in our county with leaders and people in places of influence and and officials, school boards. Think, my friends, don't forget, we wrestle not with flesh and blood. When we are at war, we are at war with, with a cosmic enemy who hates everything we stand for and would oppose us at every turn, seeking to devour he and his cohort. So pray. Pray. Who do you pray to? You pray to God. Pray to God. Don't miss that. Daniel is not praying, I need angels. Michael, help. No, he's not. No. We go to the sovereign. We go to the sovereign. And in the name of the commander, Jesus, the commander of the armies of the Lord. That is how we wrestle. Angelic battles in the praying Christian. Oh, my friends, think, think how significant it is that the angel says, I am here because of your words. When we pray, all of heaven is listening and there's dispatches and there's, there's things taking place. We have no idea what's happening up there. And we're not really supposed to. Our concern is, Lord, we are to be faithful. We are to stand firm. We are to shine. We are to proclaim. Look at these three things that we bring to the battle. Purity. God's people are called to be a holy people. That is one of the ways we shine and proclaim the good news of the gospel. By not blending in and joining in compromise the the drift, the sea of sin, as it were. We stand out like stars that shine in the night. We don't join in to the sin. Stay pure. Stay holy. Fight to obey the Lord and to put down sin. And secondly, we pray. We pray. What a weapon of war this is. 
We look to God. We are weak. We need Him. Who are we to stand on our own? We can't stand. He is the sovereign, and we go to Him in prayer. And then, amazingly, the path to victory against this present darkness is proclamation. The proclamation that you're hearing now, the good news of the gospel, the word of God proclaimed, and the witness that you become as we dismiss and send out this church all over Whatcom County. Proclamation is the path to victory. How was it that they overcame Satan? This is coming to pass. They have overcome him by the blood of the Lamb, and the word of their testimony. That's the path to victory. We're not looking for power encounters. We don't engage Satan and his demons face to face and, and try to duke it out. We lose if we do that. Go to the sons of Sceva, right? That we are not equipped to that kind of, you know, battle it out. Come on, Satan, let's go. No. How foolish it would be. The prayer of Jesus that teaches us to pray. Keep us from the evil one. Keep us from the evil one. Who are we praying to? The Father. The Father. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me, the angel says, 21 days. But Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. So think of this. He's tied up, battling it out with this, this prince of Persia, and 21 days, they're going, they're just duking it out, 21 days. Michael shows up and he's like, I got this, you go, go to Daniel, I'll take this guy. And whatever they do, are they punching, are they swinging swords, AR-15s, I don't know, like, no idea, but they are fighting. So Michael relieves him and he is then free to rush to Daniel's aid. I came to make you understand what is going to happen to your people in the latter days. For the vision, that is what we're going to learn next week, the vision is for days yet to come. When he had spoken to me according to these words, I turned my face toward the ground and was mute. Poor Daniel, he is struggling. He is having, this whole time he's like, don't fall down, don't fall down, don't fall down. And every time this angel speaks, it's like the sound of, of, of a touchdown, right? In, I'm old school, in the kingdom, I remember that. And he's so overwhelmed just trying to listen to this angel that now he's speechless. He is speechless. His head drops and he's just like, oh, my word, got nothing. Huh. Listen to the angel's love. Behold, one in the likeness of the children of man. Note that. It's, he's not a man. But his appearance is that of a human, a man. He touched my lips. All oh, that echoes forth, right? The coal, remember Isaiah? He touched my lips. And now this touch, he said, enabled him to open his mouth and speak. Now, what a, what a careful, loving thing. Note what an angel can do. That's significant. And Daniel says, I said to him who stood before me, Oh, my Lord, by reason of the vision, pains have come upon me. I retain no strength. How can my Lord's servant talk with my Lord? For now, no strength remains in me, and no breath is left in me. Again, one having the appearance of a man touched me and strengthened me. He doesn't rebuke him. He doesn't say, you weakling, what is wrong with you, you puny little human? Shouldn't you be stronger than this? What's wrong? No. It is a kind and strengthening touch. Ultimately, that tracks back to the Lord who commissioned this angel to come, bring comfort, to speak with, to encourage, to strengthen his prophet. He said, O man, greatly loved. There it is again. Fear not. Peace be with you. Be strong and of good courage. And as he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, My Lord, let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. There's a moment. 
all of a sudden, the trembling old man finds a footing as the ministry of this angel reaches its fullness in his body and his lips and his, his legs. He's strengthened. He's like, let's do this. Let's do this, right? I'm ready. Then he said, do you know why I've come to you? But now I will return and fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go out, behold, the prince of Greece will come. <laughs> Daniel's like, oh, man, <laughs> another prince, evil, demonic prince. Well, that's the progression, isn't it, right? Babylon, then Medo-Persia, Darius and Cyrus. Then after that, Alexander the Great. There's a little, little clue here. Alexander the Great had, as I would suggest, most world rulers have an assigned, very high-ranking demon to try to influence and sway him to darkness and chaos, and especially to oppose God's people. Hmm. The prince of Persia, the prince of Greece, we're not given names, I like that. We don't need names. We don't need names. It's the enemy. It's the enemy. We don't need to focus there. We focus on the sovereign. The Lord rebuke you. The Lord rebuke you. He is the sovereign. Well, we'll just say this before we move on. There is a care with which we must walk when it comes to the reality of the spirit world. We can err if we think too little about it, right? That's, that, that would be to ignore Massive amounts of revelation. It, we need to be reminded, God has a host, a heavenly host, and they are ministering at work. And, and we don't, most of the time, we have no idea what they're doing, but they're there, and they are glorious, and they are active, and He is dispatching them and ministering constantly. So don't forget that. And at the same time, don't emphasize it too much. Do you note this? Every time that a man in the presence of an angel falls down to worship the angel, what does the angel do? Stop that. Get up. Don't, don't you worship me. Or don't, don't be bringing your prayers to me. You're, you go to God, right? The angels know they are not to be focused upon and worshiped and prayed to and pursued. No, we take it to the Lord. We go to the Lord. He sends his angels, not us. It's an important reminder. It says this, I will tell you what is inscribed in the book of truth. What is the book of truth? Then uh, there is one who contends by my side. There, there, is, uh, there is no one. Uh, did I say that? I think I said that. There is none who can, yeah, none who contends at my side against these except Michael, your prince. Okay, a couple things in here jumped out to me. First of all, the book of truth. What is that? Well, I think it is the prophecy that God has given this angel to carry and deliver to Daniel. Every word is true. It will come to pass. It is inscribed, as it were, in this book. So the history that is going to be brought to pass is, is written beforehand. Why does it happen? Well, it's written in the book that it's going to happen. So just bring him this message. He's going to bring him that in chapters 11 and 12. And then was struck by this. Michael, he says to Daniel, now, your prince. <laughs> That's incredible. We see glimpses throughout that, that Michael is an angel, a warrior angel, who has charge over God's people in a special way. So like you would have this demon assigned to try to influence a certain kingdom or that, Michael has been tasked to guard and protect and war for God's people. Your prince, the one who came to relieve me so that I could come to you, is your prince. That's special. That's, special. That, that's helpful for Daniel, knowing the darkness that they are headed into in the days ahead. It's helpful for us as well. Now, just step back and, and note this. Does God need angel armies to assist us in our lives? Does He need them? No. He's God. 
He doesn't need anyone to do anything. Does God need us to reach the ends of the earth? No. He could save his elect like that, and it would be over. God delights to create and then put to work and ordain ends through means. And some of those means are angels carrying messages and defending and warring and fighting. Just like we can be the means of gospel advancement in a dark and fallen world. We don't pray because if we fail to pray, God is just bound and he's like, oh, I just wish these people would pray. I can't do anything. No, he's sovereign. He ordains our prayers and when we pray, he does exactly as he planned to do. That's pretty cool. So pray. So pray. It matters. Our response this morning, three things. Just want to point out three things as I close. Remember, number one, there is an intense yet unseen battle taking place all around us. It's there. It's there. I keep a sword on the wall of my office so that every time I sit down at my desk, I am reminded I am at war. This is, this is for keeps. This is a war, and it's raging. Now, it might seem like just a normal Tuesday, but it's a war, and we are in it. We are, we are in the conflict. So armor up. Put your armor on. This is Paul's thinking. This is his call in Ephesians 6. After he says, we're wrestling, we're wrestling. Well, what do we do? How do we wrestle? Here's his answer. Put on the belt of truth. Be a truth teller. Speak words of truth. That's what God is. He's a truth speaker. So we speak the words of truth and the breastplate of righteousness. We are called to be holy as we are in Christ. Walk in holiness. Shine in that. And the shoes that provide readiness of the gospel of peace. Go and be ready to share the gospel of peace. We are made ready. Ready. Uh, in the uh, Roman soldiers, they would have spikes in their shoes that would help them to stand firm those shoes provide for us not only a message to carry, but a defense when we are accused and attacked of our own sin. We have a place to go. We confess our sins, and He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The gospel of peace helps us to stand firm. And the shield of faith. We have the shield of faith. And we use that shield to, to extinguish the flaming darts of the enemy. We, we hold it. We live in there. The helmet of salvation, we are His. We represent Him on the battlefield. Don't ever forget that. We're His forever. Nothing can change that. And the sword of the Spirit. Kids, you guys remember this at VBS, don't you? We went through all of these. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Armor up, Christian. You're in a battle. We've got work to do. We're called to stand firm. And then I was struck with this, praying at all times in the Spirit. Oh, the weapons of war include prayer. We pray. We're a praying people. I am here because of your words. Don't forget that. Number two, remember God uses our everyday prayers to impact these unseen spiritual realities. So we are called to pray, be faithful, Fight the good fight. Trust Him. Now, I was working on this this week, and I started praying, and I'm like, Lord, I don't know what evil spirits are around here, and, and I feel like there's churches that are compromising and, and, and Christians that are, that, that are weak and, 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 and heading off into the weeds. And, and then I was reminded, wait a second, wait a second. I don't have to worry about the spirit world, okay? God knows that. Here's what I do. Lord, make your people strong, I pray. Don't let them compromise. Hold them. Strengthen them. Give them preachers who preach your word faithfully. Strengthen the church, your people in this county. Help us to stand firm. That's a prayer that God then takes as he pleases and dispatches all the things that are happening that we have no idea what are happening. Got an election coming up, Lord. You know what all is on the line. You know all the things behind that in the world players. Oh, Lord, 
turn back this tide of evil. If you would be so kind and gracious to our nation, we don't deserve it, but turn it back. And may those who know you advance and be able to speak and shape policy. Restrain evil, we pray. Help your church to shine bright. Number three, remember we often benefit from the ministry of God's holy angels. How many times, without us even knowing, have we been in situations where God has powerfully commissioned angels to minister and strengthen and encourage and protect and provide. I was thinking of situations in my life, oh, times when I was so low, so discouraged and down. And it may be in moments like that, especially thinking of how those angels were ministering. I didn't even know it. Praise God for His holy angels, for His hand of love that meets us in unseen ways as we look to Him. Let's pray. Lord, this world is so much bigger than we realize. There is far more happening than we can see or ever even know. And over it all, you are sovereign. That is the theme of this book. It comes up over and over. You are the sovereign one. You are the God over all your creation. We thank you that though the battle rages, the war is won. We thank you that Satan has a fixed time where he will be snuffed out and cast into the lake of fire. No more accusing, no more uh, stirring and sowing discord and, and all the mess in this world. You will resolve and righteousness will reign and our king will be on his throne and we will sing with the angels forever. Worthy, worthy are you. Oh God, I give praise to you for your special creation of these holy ones, these angels. And we thank you for the way that you love us in unknown ways through them, even as we look to you in prayer. We give praise to you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.